as you look forward to the next 12 months of your life, I wonder what you're thinking. I wonder whether there's, for some of you, a sense of concern. Maybe there's excitement. Some of you may be feeling, anticipating good fear, good things happening. But others, you may be feeling depressed. You may even have a sense of dread. You know, we all want to know the future, don't we? You want to know what's, what's ahead for me, God. What's, what's the rest of this year going to be like? And there can be a lot of concern about that sometimes in our hearts. I wonder how many here today, as you're listening to me, are facing a challenging situation. A really difficult time in your life. Maybe you're needing a miracle. And as you listen to me this morning, you're thinking, how am I going to get through this? How will I get through the coming months or the coming years in my life. How many of you know that life on planet Earth is really tough? Any, anyone, anyone can give me a wave on that? Um, it, it is really tough. Please don't think you've been singled out as the one that's got it tough. Now, some of you have it tougher than others. I appreciate that. But it, it really, life on this planet is tough. I've often thought, you know, even in a congregation, if you had a, a painometer, a painometer to measure the pain levels in this place, I think we'd be shocked at how high the pain level actually is. Adrian and I talk to a lot of people, and you know, we're just dealing with a, a situations right now which are incredibly, incredibly challenging for the people that are involved in it. And so we try and support them and pray with them and, and help them. And uh, you know, we all face Mountains that loom larger than us. I've faced a few, and I'm sure you do as well from time to time. And valleys that just seem too deep, you know. You know, we love Psalm 23, you know, go through it, walk through the valley of the shadow, you know, you're going to be with me. But it's very, it's nice to hear that. But sometimes as you're going through that valley, it's, it can be really, really difficult and challenging. So I can identify myself with some of the things that I've just mentioned to you. My life has not been all plain sailing. It may look like that to you. Some of you, as you watch me, you think, gosh, you know, he's just had it easy all his life. Well, it's just not true. I've had my own trials, my own struggles to go through. My dad was, you know, somewhat of an alcoholic uh, for a number of years. It was, you know, he didn't, there, was not, there was a lot of anger in the home, and dad would throw plates around the place, and there were six kids, and he would drive us drunk, and we'd be driving. The fact that I'm alive today is a miracle. Seriously, it is a miracle. I mean, it was, so all that sort of stuff leaves, leaves damage, doesn't it, in your life? It does stuff in you that you have to spend the rest of your life, quite frankly, working through. Even though you become a Christian, all that stuff doesn't suddenly disappear. You think, oh, sweet, I'm saved now. All my problems are over. I'm, you know, just a normal person with no stri No, no, it just doesn't work that way. You know that, don't you? So I can identify with what I'm actually, some of the stuff that I'm talking with today, but what I've got to get to, the point is this, is, is there hope? <laughs> is there hope for us despite what we've been through, what, despite what we're facing today? And of course, the answer as Christians always yes. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with hope. May the God of hope fill you with hope today. I'm praying God will fill you with hope. Whatever you're facing, whatever your challenge, whatever your trial, God is going to fill you with hope by His Spirit today. He is the God of hope. I mean, He's all about hope. 
because he knows that life is tough for us. So, and you know, hope is one of the most energizing factors in our lives. When you have hope, you can keep going. You know, it, it puts energy inside you. But when you have no hope, it's really hard. You just want to go back into a cave and hide away. I'm praying today, before the end of this message, if you are one who needs hope, and we all do, God is going to fill you with tremendous hope. You know, a biblical definition of hope is this, a steady, confident expectation of good. Why don't you say that with me? Steady, confident expectation of good. Say it again. Steady, confident expectation of good. You know, a lot of the time we don't have that, do we? We kind of have a steady, confident expectation of bad. You know, something's going to go wrong. It's been a good day, but it can't be good to the end of the day. It's been a good week or a good month. A steady, confident, that's what, the, that's what hope means. That's what God wants you to have in your heart and in your life. And, you know, he wants us to have that despite our past struggles, despite our past hurts. Jesus wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Yeah, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's come to bless our lives. And so I want you to tell yourself, this year, I'm going to enjoy blessings that will leave me astounded. Can you believe for that? You know, listen, don't base your future on your past. Uh Uh-huh. doesn't matter what's happened in the past, all the rubbish that's been there, all the trouble. Don't base your future on your past. Base your future on what the Word of God says. And what does the Word of God say in Psalm 23? It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. A steady, confident expectation of good. One of the tricks of the devil is he wants us to base our future on our past, on our own experiences, on the experience of others. But that is a real trap. No, no, let's stick with the Word of God. I'm not saying it's all going to be a bed of roses. We all know that. It's not going to be that. But, hey, God does want to do you good. Claim Psalm 23, verse 26. So I want to look at how can we overcome the toughest challenges of life. Let's go to Romans 5 and verse 17. Romans 5, my message is called Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. 5.17 says this. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive, here it is, the abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. We will reign. So we, the Bible says we can reign in life through one Jesus Christ. He can help us to do it. Now, Paul wrote these words. This is interesting, isn't it? Because Paul had it tougher than most. In Romans 8, he talks about hardships, persecutions, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, You know, he says, for your sake, we face death all day long. How many of you agree Paul had it really tough? I mean, tougher tougher than probably most of us are going to have it. And yet, at the end of that, he makes this astonishing statement. He goes through all his troubles, all his problems, all his difficulties, and then says in Romans 8, verse 37, uh, in Romans 8, 37, he said, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. I think, Paul, get real, man. You can't say that. After all of that stuff, you know, you're just being persecuted, you know, stoned, beaten, whipped, naked, you know, shipwrecked. Then you say, all these things are more than a conqueror. You kind of think, you know, you're just in a fantasy land. But no, it was true. 
who was actually more than a conqueror. And sometimes I ask myself the question, Paul, how could you say that? I reckon if I faced what Paul faced, I would have quit. I would have given up. I would have said, God, if that's the deal for serving you, I'm out. Isn't that always a risk that we all face? It just gets so tough. We just say, God, if that's Christianity, I'm just not. I'm gone. But Paul was able to say, no, in all this, I am more than a conqueror. See, the truth is, Paul was not superhuman. Paul was like you and me. You know, we think, oh, Paul, you know, just must have been so powerful, so strong. No, no, he had emotions. He had fears. He had anxieties. He had doubts. He had worries. He was a human being. Just, he wasn't Superman. He was just like us. And yet, despite of that, he was able somehow to overcome despite all the difficulties. So the question we have to ask is, how on earth did Paul do it? Well, the truth is, Paul didn't. He couldn't. It was impossible. And nor can you. If you're facing a trial and you're saying, I can't get through this. Guess what? You're right. You actually can't. Not by yourself. Not in your own ability. Not in your own strength. And so Paul says, the answer is found in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, which says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. The key to Paul's life, friends, and to your life and mine, is the grace of God. We go back to Romans 5.17. Those who receive the abundance of grace will reign in life. It was God's grace that made him more than a conqueror. That same grace is available to you today. And we're going to explain this a little bit. You know, people all over the world know the word grace because they sing amazing grace. You hear Sir Howard Morris, all these guys, amazing grace. They have no idea what it means. <laughs> they just sing this, this song, amazing grace. And they've heard of it, but they have no understanding of what it actually means. And so what is God's grace? Here's a definition. It's the supernatural ability of God to be victorious in every situation. The supernatural ability of God to be victorious in every situation. Grab that, put it in your pocket, take it home, and be an overcomer. See, it's not your ability. It's a supernatural ability. You know, Christ in us is the hope. Is that right? Christ in us is, is what it's all about. It's not you doing it. You can't do it. And I think one of our problems as Christians, so often we try and do this Christian thing in our own strength and our own ability. We can't do it. It's beyond us. We need the supernatural ability of God in our lives to overcome in every situation. Here's another definition. The empowering presence of God that enables you to be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do. You know, at times when I felt <clears throat> I couldn't cope, times when I felt there's something I was not able to do, I would cry out to God and I'd say, God, would you please give me your grace? God, would you fill me with your grace? I can't do this, God. It's too hard. It's too tough. And, and when I found that that's a prayer that God has answered. And he's then saying, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my grace. I'll help you to get through the situation that you're facing in your life 
right now. Grace was everything to Paul. It was. He couldn't stop talking about it. In fact, he's called the apostle of grace. His message is called the gospel of God's grace. And in two-thirds, in the New Testament, two-thirds of the time when the word grace is used, um, it's by Paul. He uses that word. He opens his letters with grace, and he closes his letters with grace. He just says grace. It's all the time. It's the grace of God. Friends, we're going to do this by the grace of God. Amen? We can't do it in ourselves. But we're going to do it by God's grace working in and through our lives. A friend of mine who's passed away now, Brian Bailey, wonderful prophet of God, he had this amazing vision or dream. I'm not sure which it was. And in it, Jesus appeared to him. He said the vision went on for, was it three days or five? I think it was five days, three or five days. Can't quite remember. And as Jesus was in this vision or dream, Jesus only said one word to him the whole time. He just said, grace, grace, grace. Next day, grace, grace, supernatural ability of God to overcome in every situation. Grace, grace. Third day, grace. Just go like, God, what is this? <laughs> God didn't say anything for you. He said to God, is there something else you want me to hear? No, no, grace. Grace. Is there something else he wants you to hear? No, he doesn't. He wants you to hear this word. Grace. Grace. So you're saved by grace. You live by grace. You serve by grace. You overcome by grace. You defeat the enemy by grace. You lead by grace. You walk by grace. It's the grace of God. We've got to, take, we've got to shift from ourselves to God's grace in our lives. God's power in our lives. To do what he's called us to. You know, sometimes you get asked to do something even in church. You know, would you A, B, or C, I don't know what it might be. You know, lead a group or do a prayer or maybe an offering or, or whatever it might be. Or some involvement in a, you know, how, you know, some outreach or whatever. You ask to do it and you think, man, I, I just can't do this. Yes, you can. It's the grace of God. By God's grace. I do what I do. By the grace of God. I could never accomplish what I accomplished in myself. So when you're facing a trial, I want you to just think of those words, amazing grace. Amazing grace. It says in Ephesians 4, 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, according to what God's called you to do and according to what he's called you to face in life, he's given you the grace of God to do it. Different grace to my grace. I, I don't need your grace. You don't need my grace, but you need your grace for your circumstances and for your life. I need God's grace for my circumstances. So it's according to the measure of God, God, Christ's gift or according to the measure of God's call upon your life in every area of life. He has given you the grace that you need to fulfill what he's called you and asking you to do. I remember praying recently for a person. They rang me up and they said, uh, I heard they were in trouble. They're struggling away. And they said, Pastor, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm out of here. This is one of our staff members. This is only about ooh, four or five months ago. And I thought, wow, this is steep. And they're crying on the phone. And they said, I've, I've done. Things had happened. Criticism had come. Things had gone wrong. And they just thought, no, I'm, you know, sometimes you get to that place, don't you? Fortunately, as she was talking to me, God gave me a scripture. And the scripture is, let me give you the reference to it. The scripture is found in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And the scripture is, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And I just said to her, look, God's grace is sufficient for you with what you are facing right now. I said, receive the grace of God. And I prayed for her. And guess what? God's word was correct. It was true. The grace of God worked for her. And she came through with flying colors. And now she's just, just going for it. But there was that moment where she thought, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm out of here. Folks, with God with you, you are never done. You are never finished. You're never out of here. You're an overcomer. You're a winner. You're a champion by the grace of God. By the grace of God, the devil can throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, but he is no match for the grace of God and the Jesus that lives in your life. We are more than overcomers. We're not just overcomers. We're more than overcomers. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. God always uses the superlatives. He doesn't say, oh, you're, well, you're kind of an overcomer. You know, you might just get, no, no, more than, more than Peter, more than Paul, Sally, and more than an overcomer. Why? Because it's not you. So you know, when the devil takes you on, <laughs> make no mistake, he's not taking you on. He's taking the Jesus in you on. And guess what? He's going to lose every time. If you will stay connected to God and connected to God's grace and let his grace do what it can do in your life. 1 Peter 4.10 speaks of the manifold grace of God. God has provided each of us with a specific aspect of God's grace that we need in our trial, all right? Whatever grace you need in your trial, God's provided it for you. Now, let me illustrate this way. Can you hold up your left hand? This is a class school lesson right now, all right? All right, now just wriggle this little thumb of yours, okay? And that little thumb represents, let me get this right, a middle-sized trial, all right? middle size. Now, wriggle this one, okay? Big trial. Next one, huge trial. Fourth one, small trial. And that little one, little trial. So middle-sized trial, big trial, huge trial, small trial, tiny trial. Now, raise your right hand. Wriggle the left finger, this little finger. Middle-sized grace. Got that? Big grace. Huge grace. Small grace. Little grace. Put your hands together. Clap them. Just once, hold them together. So for every size trial, God has provided the exact size grace that you need to get through your life victoriously and successfully. You like that? It's not bad, is it? Next time you're facing a trial, just clap your hands. Just say, right, this one's a huge one. Here's the trick. Never say, Pastor, that's true, except for my trial. Because mine's just beyond what you've mentioned. No, no. Nothing's beyond the grace of God. Do you know some of the most godly saints that I know have suffered the most? Have suffered more than anyone. You just have to join in and connect in with the grace of God. And let him help you through. I like Isaiah 41 verse 10, which says this. I will strengthen you. I don't know if that's going to come up. Did I give you that? Yeah, I will strengthen you. So here's my question. Who's going to strengthen you? According to that. Who is it? God. So God's going to strengthen you. So if God says, 
How many of you know God's got unlimited power? You know, I mean, he, he holds us, the burning sun, he keeps it going. He holds the galaxies in place. He calms the storms. He raises them. I mean, there's nothing our God can't, cannot do. He's got all power and all ability. So when, when God says, I will strengthen you. So, you know, if, if I say to you, you, you come to me and you've got a trial. And I say, look, look, don't worry, Peter, I'll strengthen you. You say, oh, okay, it's not bad. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Or Pastor Paul says, I'll strengthen you. That's one thing. But what about when God says, I will strengthen you? Can God lie? God is promising you today. You will reach out to him and connect with him. He says, I will strengthen you, whatever you're facing today. Tell the person next to you, God's going to strengthen you. Don't tell them nice and loud. Yeah, God's going to strengthen you. He will strengthen you. It's a great promise of God. Because you know, sometimes we really struggle to think, man, I don't know if I've got the strength for this. Yes, you, well, actually, no, you haven't. <laughs> but the God in you has. And if you just got to, the whole thing is connecting with God all the time. So grace is available for you to minister effectively in your area of calling. Whatever God's called you to, Acts 4.33, with great grace, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Whatever, this is, you know, the apostles were ordinary people doing extraordinary things by the grace of God. And, you know, that's what we are. We're just ordinary people, but we do extraordinary stuff by the grace of God. So whatever God's called you to do, he's given you the grace to do it. Now, I'm not just talking about church life. Maybe he's called you to be a mom of four kids. Five, and Kaitai, probably six or seven. Eight, nine, I don't know. What's the limit up here? Oh, hey? Who's got 16? Hey? You got 16 kids. Sixteen kids, man. Adrian, I was smart. We just got one. It's all we could handle. We thought more than one. We're, we're done. So, good, congratulations on you have sixteen kids. This is not an encouragement to have more kids. All right. I've always threatened my church. Everyone's getting. They all get pregnant down there all the time. You know, there's another baby, another baby. I said, I'm going to preach on contraception soon. You guys obviously don't understand because they say, I don't know how this happened. I said, let me explain to you how this happened, you know. So anyway, you're a mischievous lot up here, aren't you? What we were talking about, the grace of God. Yeah, chill, kids. Yeah, so the grace of God is in every area of your life. So there's grace upon you to be a great mum. No, one, I don't think anyone believes that one, do they? Well, let's try another one. There's a grace of God is upon you to be a great dad. Yeah, okay. There's a grace upon you to be a great wife. It's getting quieter all the time. There's a grace of God upon you to be a great husband. There's a grace of God upon you to be the best children's worker in Kaitaia. There's a grace of God upon you to be a, a brilliant musician or a singer, or a prayer, whatever it is God has called you to be. See, it's all by the grace of God. And if we have received His grace into our life, so we've been given a grace according to the measure of the gift of God. But let's not limit it to just inside the four walls of the church, please. It's in every area of your life.
the grace of God upon you to be a phenomenal businessman. Okay? To be a phenomenal worker and wherever God has placed you. It's the grace of God. How many of you reckon if, if, if God is in us and the resurrection power of Jesus lives in us, how many of you reckon that we actually should be better than those who don't have God helping them? Huh? I mean, we should be the best that, that you know, wherever God's placed us, we should be able to excel beyond the others. And I think it's time for the church to arise in the marketplace, you know, outside the four walls of the church and be what God has anointed us and called us to do and to be. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, I'm not sure what it says. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, it's in my notes, so I better read it. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That's good, isn't it? That you always have all sufficiency in all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. Church Unlimited Kaitaia is an apostolic church. I talked to the leaders about this yesterday. Called to impact Kaitaia and beyond. Is that right? This is not just another church. We're not here in Kaitaia to make up the numbers. We're here because God has called us to Kaitaia, because God's heart has turned towards Kaitaia, and He wants a spirit to break out in Kaitaia and beyond. He wants to bring transformation to this community. And I believe we can do it. I believe we can. It's, it's possible to do this, to see this community change for the glory of God, to see a redemption and lift. And you might say, well, how on earth are we going to do this? How on earth can Kaitaia do this? I'm telling you, the church is graced by God. There's a grace of God on this church to bring transformation, to bring change into this community, into Kaitaia and beyond. Not only on this church, but I believe on other churches as well. That's why we want to bring them all together so together we can change Kaitaia. Wouldn't it be great if Kaitaia began to get in the papers of, of New Zealand? They say, man, what is happening up in Kaitaia? The place is progressing, you know, businesses are opening up, suicide is going down, you know, abuse is going down, all the rape is going down, suicide is dropping away. Hey, they don't even need policemen up there anymore because there's no crime. Thank you for that half-hearted response. That's why we're here. Bring change to a community and beyond. And I, I believe for this stuff. You know, if you don't believe for this stuff, you're never going to see anything. You've got to believe for that. We can bring transformation. Well, we can't do it, but we can because God is in us and God is with us. God's grace lifts you to a supernatural level. I believe in the coming months, the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to increase in this church. It's going to increase. I want you to get ready for this. There's coming the invasion, a greater invasion of God's Spirit into this place. And I pray in all churches. It's what I felt here. And then when Emma led that song, Spirit Break Out, I thought, oh, wow. It was already in my notes. Then when she led it, then I thought, God, you've just confirmed that your Spirit is going to increase to a greater level. Because, you know, it's in the end, it's a presence of God. That brings change. It's the presence of God that brings transformation. That's what was so good about our conference. So many people said to me, it was the presence of God. Yeah, great messages, great preaching, but it was the presence of God that touched hearts and touched lives. So I want to encourage you. You know, that's a part of God's grace upon Church Unlimited Kaitaia to bring 
transformation into the community and beyond. Drive back the powers of darkness and increase the light of God. How? By the grace of God. You might sit back and think, how are we going to do this? Well, it's, it's not, you're not going to do it. The grace of God is going to do it in and through you. So God graces us to do whatever he's called us to do. I know of two speakers. Well, I know of two men that have bad stutters. You know, they're talking to you one-on-one. They, they just stutter. And then God calls them to preach. And you think, God, this is pretty mean, isn't it? Like they're, they're stuttering to talk to one, another person. Now you want them to get behind a pulpit and preach? Wouldn't it be easy for those people to say, no, no, God. That, that, how often do we do that? We say, no, God, I can't do it. Do you know both of those people are great preachers? How? By the grace of God. You see, he's graced them. He's gifted them. He's, whatever you, God calls you to do, he'll give you the grace and the ability to actually do it and do it so well. I have to prepare sermons every year. I don't know how many every year, maybe 30 sermons a year. And it's, it's really hard work. And I, I get to the end of each year and I think to myself, man, how am I going to get another 30 sermons for next year? You know, I think, oh, man, God. I, and I can start to sort of feel overwhelmed by it. But then I remember it's by the grace of God. See, God graces us. And God graces me to do what he has called me to do. There was a concert pianist, Padawiski. And his mother of this young boy wanted to encourage her child. So she got tickets. They sat near the front. She got chatting, and the boy wandered off, young boy, up onto the stage. Then the lights go out, and the whole program is about to start, and uh, the spotlights come on, and she suddenly realized it's her eight-year-old boy sitting on the stool behind the Steinway piano that Padawiski was going to play at. And so she's suddenly in real panic mode. She gasped, but before she could run up to the stage and grab him, Padawiski comes onto the stage. And he moves towards the piano. And he whispers to the boy, because the boy's playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So he says to the boy, don't stop playing, don't quit. So he leans his arms around the boy, both sides, left hand starts to play the bass parts. And the other hand reaches around and circling the boy, and he begins to play one of his masterpieces. And together, this young boy and the master held the crowd mesmerized. Folks, that's our lives. We're unpolished, we're inadequate, but the master surrounds us with his grace, with his capabilities, and he enables us to perform beyond our abilities. Beyond our abilities. Beyond our abilities. That's the grace of God. And you're looking at someone here as I stand in the pool, I perform way beyond my abilities. Way beyond. Seriously. Way beyond. Why? Because there's this grace of God that's surrounding me, encompassing me about. And you know, as I'm playing as it were, he whispers in my ear over and over again. He says, I'm with you. I'll help you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep going. And with God and me together and his grace, he helps us to do what he's called us to do. Just a couple more thoughts as I begin to wrap this up.
You know, there's God's grace to finish our race. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. You know, 1968 Olympics, there was a marathon. It had finished. The medals were being given out. The announcers discovered that there was still a runner from Tanzania. Some of you might remember the story. And he's running for the finish line. He had a nasty fall early in the race. He's bleeding. His muscles were cramping. He's suffering hydration. But he wouldn't quit until he finished the cross the finish line. Hours later, he finished. The TV cameras were all on him. The crowd stood up. They cheered him as he finally came into the, the main stadium and finished the last lap. Cross the finish line. A reporter went up to him and said, why didn't you just quit and seek medical care and medical help? He replied, my country did not send me 5,000 miles just to start a marathon. They sent me to finish it. You know, I want to encourage you to keep following Jesus to the finish line. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how many times you trip up and fall, regardless of how many wounds and cuts and setbacks and trials, just keep running. If you can't run, keep walking. If you can't walk, maybe crawl. But just keep going. By the grace of God, you can all cross the finish line. How? In your own strength? No. But by the grace of God. See, grace was everything to Paul. He could easily have quit, thrown in the towel. It was so tough. But he connected with God's grace in his life. And so can you, and so can I. Tell the person next to you, be a finisher. <laughs> All right, let me just give you four quick thoughts on how to receive grace. Number one, boldly ask for it. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If you're in a time of need, go to the throne of God. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of condemnation. It's not a throne of criticism. It is a throne of grace. Go boldly to that throne and you can receive grace into your heart. That's number one. But number two, faith. We have to believe what God's word says. You have to believe that God's grace is sufficient for you. If you believe it, receive it, you can then walk in it. So faith is a key element. You don't think God's grace will ever be enough for you, then it won't be enough for you. Faith is a trigger that unlocks God's power. Number three, humility. James 4 verse 6, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humility is an important key in all this. Number four is shout grace. Zechariah 4, 6-7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel put your name in there, you will become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. So the grace of God. If you've got a problem in your hands, shout grace to your mountain. And then finally, God's word. Acts 20, as the musicians could come and join me. Acts 20, verse 32. I commit to you, I commit to you, I commit you to God and the word of His grace, which can build you up. A verse from Scripture can give you grace. I've found God's grace through Bible verses again and again and again. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are saved by grace.
Many years ago, God opened my heart. It's the greatest miracle I've ever experienced in my life. He opened my heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I was saved. By grace, saved from a potential eternity in hell, transferred to an eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Please stand with me.